the best piece of advice I have for someone trying to succeed in the film industry or any creative space is if you're doing what everyone else is doing, you're doing it wrong. Welcome to Around the Craft Table, a podcast by film students about movies, making movies, and other stuff. Hey everybody, welcome back to Around the Craft Table. This is episode 7, I think. Right? 7, yes. 7, season 2, episode 7. I'm joined by, uh, I'm Miranda, and I'm joined by Miles. Hello. And Jermel. Hey. And today we're going to talk a little bit about some controversial uh, subjects in recent film news and Jermel's going to kind of tell us about what that's all about because he recorded an audio essay which you should take a look at I mean take a listen to over on our uh, previous news feed it's uh, it should be called like audio essay something or other Um, and it's going to talk about all the topics that we're going to be talking about today more in depth with three people which means way more opinions which means representation Let's get into it. So, um, in terms of, I guess, the topic, if you didn't listen to the audio essay, what we're really talking about is the controversy in film, um, specifically subject-wise, the stuff that happened with James Gunn, the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, um, the things that happened with him recently. Um, just to recap, he, a bunch of his tweets were pointed out by somebody on Twitter, and the Twitter mob went up against them, and Disney caught wind of it. A couple hours later, not even like a day, a couple hours later, he was fired. Yo, that's so fast. Completely, like, went over Marvel, too. Like, Disney pretty much didn't, I don't, as far as I know, they didn't even consult, like, Kevin Feige, which is the, um, the guy that runs the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They didn't even, like, consult him. They just straight up, like went past everybody and just was boop gone wow so yeah so that's um, that's the recap that we got and in terms of i guess the tweets yeah he has a, a bunch of controversial ones some of them were um no really bad like you know a typical edgelord trying to shock people and trying to get a reaction out of people type of humor the, the type that you would see in, like, South Park. Like, oh, can't believe they said that. You know, that type of that type of shit. It's pretty bad if you read it. I'll just pick one at random here. Uh, oh, okay. I'm doing a big Hollywood film adaptation of The Giving Tree with a happy ending. The tree grows back and gives the kid a blowjob. So it's stuff like that. Pretty awful. Um, that one specifically was from September 19th, 2011. So, uh, about nine years old now? Almost. Yeah. Eight. No, I can't do fucking math. Seven years old. Jesus Christ. Um, uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's one of them. So, now I'm not gonna go over, there's quite a bit of them. He made a bunch over the course of, like, three years. So, obviously too many to go over, but you get the idea. Yeah, there's definitely some, like, pretty cringy ones and also some pretty offensive ones. Yeah, I mean, I I have a pretty dark sense of humor, so, like, I wasn't phased by them so much. I mean... They come from a different time as well, so, like, we'll get into that, but... Okay, go ahead and say your general opinions about it. Okay, um, Miranda, what do you think? So you're somebody who's coming at it from, like, you don't really know too much about it. All you're hearing is, like, this and you hear that. And based on what you do know, so somebody who's kind of a bit more not as, you know, not following it as much, what do you, what do you think? Right, so, like, all I know is basically what Jermel has told me and what I have read in, like, Twitter screenshots and um, some, like, generalized news overviews of it. But I basically feel that um, we're really discovering now in this you know even in this last like five year gap of the world and like the way that the internet is progressing the way social media is progressing um the direction it's taking in our lives not only just in our lives but also over our lives if i may um is kind of like it's making it very hard for for people to like 
grow and not, you know, have that like dark shadow looming over them in a, in a way. Like, for example, I know people who have gone through anger management or like addiction, right? They go, they get help and they, in my opinion, deserve that second chance. You know what I mean? Because they've, you know, put in the effort to change and supposedly, um, so has James Gunn um, and people have testified like publicly in like letters and stuff. They've like given examples of like, um, you know, just saying like, I trust him. I think he's a good person. And I think the way that he's being painted in the media is false to what I know him as. Right. So just that alone makes me kind of skeptical as to like that we're getting the full story here. And even if we should be getting a story at all at this point, it's been like, you know, it's been almost a decade since these tweets have been released. A lot can change in that time. But at the same time, I do understand like the weight of the tweets. Um, And I don't, I don't condone the tweets. I don't think that they're appropriate. Um, If anyone was to say that nowadays, obviously they'd be fired like immediately because Twitter is such a public forum for things like that. But yeah, I just, I just feel, I have mixed feelings because like I, I do think that people should be held accountable for stuff that they did, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a real, it's a real touchy thing, but I do believe in second chances. Yes, I believe people should be held accountable, but I believe in second chances. There. Very PC answer. My, my general philosophy is, is sort of a, a twofold thing. I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat as Miranda. I see where people are coming from when they're upset. But I also am a believer in the idea that um, words are only hurtful if we let them be. And they're only problematic if we choose to let them be problematic and don't open, open the window to the idea that, that the person who said them may not believe those things either then or now. They might have just been done for shock value. I mean... I've I've said plenty of things just to get under someone's skin for quote unquote comedic purposes and regretted it later and apologized for it not publicly, but um, to to sort of shift more to a a public look. Um, I also believe in stand by what you say. So if you say something that may get you fired in a job situation, knowing that the jo- prospective employer might go look at your social media, then um, it's your responsibility to either delete it if you think it's that risky, or stand by it when you get called on it. Um, I just, I think there's there's so much outrage because outrage is fun. They talk about this internet, the internet being this anonymous thing where you can sort of say things or do things that you wouldn't normally have otherwise done in a public situation. And I think that, I, I think that used to be true. Um, and it used to be that. I think it's important that it remains so, but yeah. I feel like the people who dig this stuff up, they did it to James Gunn, they've done it to other people recently, there are celebrities' names who are escaping me, um, but they do it because they're bored and probably, if I might be so bold as to make such a statement, um, their lives probably aren't spectacular, even by normal standards of spectacular, so they get off on digging up quote-unquote dirt on other people and watching other people fall. What's interesting, too, though, is like just looking up articles and looking up what's in the news, Like even though he's being... Um, or was being, and we're kind of uncertain as to what's going on right now because things have been announced recently. But, um, you know, him being rejected by, um, like, the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, and firing him has actually raised his popularity with other studios. People are looking to get him to come over and direct their films now because some studios that aren't affiliated with, like, you know, because is Marvel affili- affiliated with Disney, like, pretty heavily? Uh, yeah, Disney owns Marvel. Okay, yeah, so Disney doesn't want a guy who's made pedophilic tweets reflecting um, their films for kids, so that makes sense. Um, it makes sense why they might react that way, like, very, uh, like, drastically. 
But like other studios are like, hey, we'll take this controversy and turn it into cash. Money, money, money. Because everyone will want to see the movie now, you know? Directed by the guy that had the tweets, you know? <laughs> so, it's it's a lose-win, lose-win, win-win, lose-lose situation. Yeah, interesting. Um, I, my opinion on it is that, and I said this, um, I kind of touched on it in the uh, audio essay, but it's definitely a knee-jerk reaction on Disney's part. You, you could tell that because um, they did it within a couple hours of finding out after being, after Twitter caught wind of it, Twitter started, you know, going crazy about it, probably tagging Disney and Disney people in the process. And then they saw it, a couple hours later, he's gone. He's fired. And they went over um, Marvel, the Marvel, the heads at Marvel. They just went straight to firing him. Um, there wasn't any sort of conversation, like, behind the scenes. It was kind of just, oh, people are mad about this. Oh, that's pretty bad. Okay, get rid of him. That's kind of what happened. That's what it seemed like. And if you read the statement that the um, actors from Guardians of the Galaxy released, they um, they had a good um, sort of statement there where they say um, there is little due process in the court of public opinion, which is super true and it's really relevant in this and what happened because that is what happened there was no due process it was just everybody's mad all at once and everybody's yelling so it's like to shut them out just really quickly you just give them what they want it's kind of like when you're trying to funnily enough shut up a crying kid trying to get like candy just to shut them up just okay here's the candy there you go you're happy and they're, and they're quiet but Obviously, it's not the proper way to deal with it. The proper way to deal with it is to tell them why they can't have it, why it's wrong, you know, so on and so forth. Um, obviously, God knows what what's wrong. Like that's not what I mean. I just mean like, you know, take take the time to talk to the people involved and all the people in charge, instead of just making a knee jerk reaction. Yeah. A lot of people were saying, too, that, like, oh, man, I just have so many thoughts going on in my head, but, like, a lot of people were saying, too, that, like, yeah, well, I can see where they're coming from. They actually know him as a person, blah, 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 right? And they they know who he is, like, right now, like, today, not who he was 10 years ago or whatever. Um, And people would react being like, yes, but 10,000 tweets filled with pedophilia, like, pedophilic imagery and jokes is not to be taken lightly. That is the sign of a pedophile. And I'm like, okay. And Jermel, we talked about this too. It's like, he deleted 10,000 tweets from his past recently. But not all 10,000 tweets were pedophile jokes, guys. No, exactly. <laughs> like, there's no way. No, exactly. Exactly. It was, a, it was a mass delete. Yeah, people are assuming that it was all bad, but it's like, nah. And like, I don't want to... I don't want to defend. Ugh, this is gonna be risky to say, but I'm I'm just gonna put it out there. The fact that like the fact that he made pedophilia jokes doesn't mean he is one. First and second of all, there are whatever your stance on them, and I and I think those who act act on their the urges are disgusting. Um, but there are a surprisingly probably significant number I don't have stats in front of me at the moment um, of folks who probably their brains are wired that way to 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 um, be attra- attracted to children and most of what I'm saying is where I'm going to just get there quickly is 90% of them don't act on it and because of the culture we live in they're they're shameful shame for it they can't go get help and i guess what i'm trying to say is that to me that's all part of the knee-jerk culture that we live in is the moment someone even like admits that they might you know have something wrong or might have said something wrong be it pedophilia related or not the instead of going okay what do you, what would you like us to do to um 
if we can help you to prevent the thing from happening again or happening at all, we just go, no, you're wrong, get out, bye. And I think that's, um, I think that's more problematic. That's true, Miles. And like, if if James Gunn was such like a, a a tragic loss to Marvel, like the cast is making it out to be, why wouldn't Marvel and Disney decide to cover this up with a whole bunch of like, you know, press like they did with the Johnny Depp incident with Harry Potter? Like, I just don't understand. <laughs> that's because of who he is, though. Right, right. But the Johnny Depp, like Johnny Depp, is pretty safe right now. Like, he's publicly ridiculed a lot like a lot of people are pissed off but he can walk into like a press conference uh, like uh like a comic-con and everyone's cheering for him like yeah it's a double standard right but like he's still somebody that has been like accused of doing some pretty bad shit yeah, it's a double and it's just like it's just like weird that there's this like weird double standard where it's like oh he's an actor um he's somewhat irreplaceable so we'll protect him but james gunn's behind the camera so fuck him well like i understand why disney did what they did from a business perspective but there's going to be one of two things that happen here and i think it'll be the latter either people are going to turn away from the next guardians of the galaxy movie whether or not they use his script and if they do i think less of them will turn away or, and I think this is what's going to happen, whether they, again, whether or not they use his script at all, is people are going to go see the movie, and they're going to go see it in, like, mountains worth of people, just to throw it in Disney's face and kind of say, fuck you for making a dumb decision, we're still going to like, we still like the franchise, we support everyone involved. Like, let's talk about that a little bit more, about, like, how, um they might use his script and what the future might look for, like for James Gunn in the Marvel uh, cinematic universe. Like Jermel, you were talking about um, that the fact that they might be offering him a different contract, like it's kind of still up in the air. What's that about? A few days ago, two days ago, three days ago, um, Dave Bautista, or people may know him as Bautista from wrestling. Uh, he plays Drax. Um, he came out saying, um, if, the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie doesn't use a script that James Gunn finished about a month ago. He tweeted about it. Um, I will quit, and that got that like gained a lot of support. People like really respected Dave for doing that. Oh, like if you don't keep the the same story. Yeah, if you guys decide to just completely get rid of um, if you guys decide to just completely get rid of uh, any trace of him and just start from scratch. Yeah, his presence. Yeah, then yeah. no, like we will not support this or I will not support this. That's what Dave said. And people supported Dave for saying that. And then today some news came out that, um, they actually might, uh, let him work again in the near future or that they actually might, uh, use his script. They're now having conversations with Marvel after they did that firing and it should have been the other way around right so it's kind of it's kind of weird because then if they do use a script they're still going to be using his humor because he wrote it which is the first which is the main reason why they got rid of him in the first place now granted the um humor in guardians of the galaxy is a bit tame it's not as far out as like deadpool where they literally joke about like people's dicks you know stuff like that um so fair enough in that sense but yeah and then down the line that they he might actually still have a chance to come back in the future i don't know it's just odd the whole thing's super odd and it, it almost seems like uh they didn't actually have a solid decision on it they just went with what people were yelling and the other interesting fact about it is the person that pointed out james gunn's tweets is a Trump supporter who if you look at his history um he kind of mentions and tries to normalize rape wow um and it, he like he'll have tweets like it's not rape because if this this and this and people will go wait what yeah it is and then he'll just blow them off and then he has a, he has a bunch of those across a couple years so you know but recent in the last five years, would you say? Um, around the same time as James Gunn's tweets. 
I'd say. Okay. okay. So again, we talk hypocrites. We're talking I guess. about double standards here. So, and, and it's it's the reason why that guy did it. What people are assuming anyway is because James Gunn. I follow. I've been following him for a while since Guardians One. He is a very, very, very vocal um, about uh, Republican followers who are like really pro-Trump. He call, he straight up calls them out, and he'll have like full-on thread conversations with them, trying to refute their arguments or trying to tell them why they're stupid and this is not the way it is. Blah blah blah. You know, like uh, Twitter wars. He'll have full-on Twitter wars with people, and he's really vocal about like like, like when Trump makes a tweet. Like there's this one time when Trump tweeted about uh some russian shit and james gunn would like quote it and then straight up like call him like an idiot or a dumbass or something right so he's very vocal about being against trump and the whole what trump stands for so this trump supporter who is all about what trump stands for went out and called him out to get some dirt on him and it worked it got him fired so that tells you, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Think about it. Like, this is all the work of just somebody like behind a phone, and put a bunch of words into his phone, and then a domino effect all the way until pretty much now we're still talking about it. But it's all that what that guy had to do. Now, granted, that guy does have quite a bit of followers. Like he's up there too when it comes to people because his views align with a lot of other people, right? So he does have quite a bit of followers too. Who then? Um, you know, he, he, yeah, he yelled it out and those people yelled it out with him. People do it for like basketball players too. Like when a basketball player says something, they'll find something from the past. People do it to Trump really often. So it's, it's a common thing that's done on Twitter or social media in general. Like Trump would like recently, uh, on a topic of social media and finding dirt, like, you know, Trump called out LeBron James. <clears throat> called him he's not that smart blah, blah blah and people uh dug up some tweets from uh trump from like 2015 saying i fully support lebron james he's one of the best players alive so which completely contradicts what he just said today so it's it's done really often except he's the president so nothing really happens it sounds to me like the work of someone who is just uh, bored and just looking for a fight. Or like got into a Twitter war with James Gunn and decided to get revenge because he didn't like what James Gunn had to say about his views. Haha, <laughs> maybe. We'll see. Or just saw a tweet from him and was like, I don't agree with that. He's a dumbass. And then tried to find a tweet that, that was dirty, yeah. It just goes to show that, like, there are certain positions of power um, where, where someone's untouchable. And it's interesting in the industry, when you look at the most high-profile case of them all, uh, Roman Polanski, the industry's been defending Roman Polanski for upwards of 40, 50 years now. Saying no, let it, like I don't know if you guys are aware of the Roman Polanski situation or not. Yeah, he's pretty, he's like one of the uh, the first people who pretty much Weinstein. He's pretty much in the same level as like Weinstein. When Hollywood gets or when people get their backs up about um, all this stuff and and they get their backs up about Hollywood defending so and so or Hollywood turns around and bails on somebody like they did bail on James Gunn. I just want to kind of look at them and go, are you forgetting about Roman? Because, like, you've been defending that guy quietly, and not always quietly, sometimes vocally, for the last, for, like I said, 40 years, and it's not because he's a, a ch child abuser, most likely. I'm not going to say he did it, but I'm not going to say he didn't do it. He probably did do it. It's because of... It's got to do with his history, and, and I think with the fact that, and this is unfortunate, and I don't want to lay blame here or anything, but I think this sort of, to me, illustrates why Hollywood feels the way they do, or some of them do at least. His wife was killed in the Charles Manson murders in the 60s or 70s, I can't remember the exact time window. And so when that sort of thing hits 
your community, you sort of rally around somebody, regardless of of their um, wrongdoings, whether they're real or not. And I just feel like there's a ton of hypocrisy there when you defend a guy like Roman, and yet you bail on a guy like James Gunn for something which is comparatively innocent and benign. This is kind of interesting, too, because... And it's not to the same degree, but people are bringing up in, t- in like conversation that it fe- almost feels like we are in a second coming of like the Hollywood blacklist, where uh, it's not obviously to the same degree, but there is a political and social aspect to it still, except it's more, I guess, more immediate, and it involves way more people, because before it was only studio heads, people in that industry that determined who was blacklisted or not the public didn't really seem to have any um say in it oh and for those people who don't know uh hollywood blacklist is i believe what year was it the 60s is it 50s and 60s it was during the red scare in, in the 40s and 50s a bunch of uh famous hollywood actors were blacklisted from working in the states because they were thought to be communists or have communist ties so yeah. they were not allowed to work compared that to now it's a different form of it you know, it's coming in a different manner, but you know, it's it's still having a similar effect. However, I, I don't think it's as clear cut as the one as before because before it was like if you're on that list, you're just not. No one wants you. But here, you know, if there's public opinion involved, and right now, for example, if you compare two people like Weinstein versus like Gun, Gun people are people. Most people kind of have his back, even the actors. No one's really. People know him, and then people who follow him, and fans and stuff like that. There's actually quite a bit of people who have his back and say, "No, uh, they were wrong. You're okay." But then you have somebody like Weinstein, where everybody's just like, "Yeah, I know you're awful. Get the hell out of here." Um, so it's not as clear cut as the uh, Hollywood blacklist, but it does have similar and potential potential similar effects, where somebody could just be um, outed and be booted off like i know this is sort of like sort of far from um being related well it is sort of related but i watched the bachelor like bachelor nation shows so (laughs) there's like the actually relevant information to this i swear um the bachelorette season 14 i believe just finished and um becca ended up picking this man named garrett and at the beginning of the season Oh yeah, spoilers for The Bachelorette, by the way. She picks Garrett. Um, at the beginning of the season, some like news came out about his like Instagram likes on Instagram. He was liking some photos on Instagram of like, and this is just in his likes. He didn't actually like repost or like post anything um, bad or anything. It was just in his likes. Um, but someone found them. They were likes of like white supremacist memes, um, like. Uh, anti-immigration sort of like extremist views anyways early in the season when it was airing um, this news came out and then Becca the bachelorette the lead went and commented about it saying um, oh you know I'm sure people can change kind of stuff like just general stuff because we didn't know who she ended up with and she kind of had to stay aloof in the media um, but then at the end of the show, they do this, like, recap thing where they're all sitting, and they briefly address it, like, so briefly you could miss it, like, when you blink. And, um, Garrett was just like, yeah, I apologize, I, like, hope everyone knows that people can change and all this stuff. But he never identified anything that was, like, super wrong about what he did. But, like, just based on the person that you kind of see him see him become throughout the season you're like okay I, I i can forgive this person like it you know people have views and it's not necessarily right but it's like i do think that they can educate themselves and grow you know like and the person that he ended up engaged to is like a super progressive like person in the media like she's very um she's very uh like democratic kind of um they're all from the states but anyways there's this other guy that came out, like, some some shit came out about him, another contestant that went off, like, week six or something like that. And, um, basically there's this other girl from another season who's, like, kind of an advocate for women's rights and just, like, gender equality and just, like, everything that's, like, pure and good in this world. <laughs> and, uh, 
some women came forward to her um, with their feelings about this one contestant saying that they had experiences with him where they felt like they were being sexually harassed or manipulated or potentially like assaulted by him. And this came out and everything's just been shit shit hit the fan since, but it's been really dramatic. Um, And he has like addressed it in the form of like just being really defensive and not acknowledging anything. And you can definitely tell the difference between those two situations just based on those two different things. Like one, yes, is like, it's like the Weinstein versus the gun, you know, one is like, Yes, somebody likes tweets. Yes, somebody might have opinions in the past, but they can change and they're, you know, they're acknowledging it. And one is, I'm having people come forward about sexual harassment and I'm denying it blatantly, even though there's evidence. (laughs) Yeah, there's a clear line. And there you go. Watch The Bachelorette. It's a good show. It's dramatic. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're kind of, you know, kind of things kind of fall. People kind of fall into the trap of everybody gets clumped together everybody's punishment is is the same even though the crimes are are, are different. different so like if somebody were to steal yeah. like five dollars of somebody's money and then somebody goes out and kills three children theft versus murder it's theft, like yeah they're both technically crimes and they're not you know don't do them however don't do it. it's but bad the punishment should not be the same in my like please opinion. don't do murder it's like way worse than theft like if you're gonna feel like rebellious go rob a 7-eleven but do not murder your friends yeah don't do murder do heroin instead it's way more fun you nap longer ah uh, hell yeah oh my god <laughs> oh my god viewers don't do heroin yes no please Listeners, don't do heroin don't do it so i guess the next topic that i want to bring up this whole current atmosphere and more climate political climate political divide you know it's obviously not as direct and something that we experience in first person all the time here in winnipeg this is something that we experience from a distance because obviously we're really far detached from hollywood and american filmmaking we're winnipeggers in canada so it's way more more smaller but I think it still has the same weight. Yeah, because we're not detached from the industry. We're just detached from where all the shit's going down. How do you think it affects you guys as filmmakers? Like, is is it something that you're a bit more mindful of? Is this, like, are these things that you're, like, I don't give a shit, I'll do whatever I want? Or is it more like, yeah, you know, I, I do care about it, but at the same time, you shouldn't hold me back. Or, yeah, or what's your sort of... You know, I just want to localize the conversation a little bit. How does this affect us as Winnipeg indie filmmakers? Well, again, I'm, I'm sort of of, of two minds. One being, uh, you know, this the sense of as somebody who is a visible minority in that I'm, I'm disabled, I'm also in the weird position of being a white, straight male. So I feel like my my minor my minority status is sort of canceled out by that fact and what I'm what I'm getting at here is I feel like I have a really tough position because I don't think that we should be um I think I think we as an industry are too sometimes sometimes and this is going to be really controversial of me to say it but Sometimes I think we're a little too hypersensitive and a little too um, handholdy and kid kid glovey when it comes to certain things like, oh, so and so said this thing about so and such and such group. It's so offensive, and is it offensive? Sure, but it's only offensive. Again, to go back to my statement earlier, it's only offensive if you as an individual of said group that is um, being targeted, let's be offensive. Like, I have I have heard some pretty, um, I don't want to say disgusting, I don't want to be hyperbolic, some pretty colorful things about folks with disabilities, and I have just kind of been like, meh. That's, that's not like, 
that's not my that's not my lived experience. Should that person have said that thing about that group? Probably not. Um, but d did it offend me? No. Like, I've, I've developed a pretty thick skin. And yet at the same time, I'm finding myself trying to be more conscious when it comes to my hiring practices for the, the projects that I write and direct and executive produce. I try and, I'm trying to put together a, um, a writing team, you know, that is, that is sort of equal in its uh, gender diversity. Because I, I think that's important because I'm a guy and I can't, I can't speak from a woman's perspective when I'm writing a female character. I, I can write, you know, the obvious things about, about the opposite gender, but I am not one of them, so I dare not attempt to speak for them or through them without at least doing um, a little bit of research. And that's the other part of this thing that exists for me, this, this uh, relationship we have with um, political stances and political opinions in art is this this idea that I as a let's for let's for example say white straight disabled male can't tell the story of somebody who is none of those things because I am not one of those things and that the moment I do that I am then being therefore to those who are justice -y and social justice -y about and social justice minded about those things um, I am then just being offensive and and committing committing some sort of social crime I don't believe that I believe that I have a, a I don't want to say right because it's earned I have a duty to tell any story that I feel is worth telling so long as I back it up with the appropriate research. Such as, you know, if I'm going to tell a story that centers on, on a woman who goes through some sort of trauma. For, for example, I, I do the research. I, I find, find articles. I find studies. I try and meet with women who've experienced the particular trauma. I'm deliberately not, not naming anything specific because it's an example. But the point is, I owe it to the group that I am writing about, to myself as a writer and someone trying to be a good writer and always be better and do better, um, and to the to the quality of the product, to do the research and um, not approach it blindly and dumbly because that's where I think you you fall into being offensive because th then you're just leaning on stereotypes and uh, and what you've vaguely remember being taught depending on when you grew up and where you came from and what your cultural background was and how you therefore view the subject matter you're writing through that lens um, it's important to do the research first and for those of you sitting at home thinking of telling a a, a non-first party non-first person story from the perspective of somebody who is not you, be that their gender, their race, their religion, whatever. 30 seconds of Google isn't research. 30 seconds of Google is not research. You need to read, you need to contact, you need to do everything you can to tell the story as accurately. Um, you need to know what the rules of, of, of the story you're telling are before you can break them. If you don't know what the rules are, you don't break them properly. And when I say break them, I mean to that there are certain things you may want to omit in your story. But if you don't know the background and the history of those things before omitting them or including them, whatever the case may be, then that's problem. That's where the problem comes in: is somebody approaching a story that isn't their own or they that they haven't lived without doing the research first. Mm -hmm. So that's a really good point, Miles. Are you kind of talking about how, like, right now in the political climate of, like, the film industry as a whole, it's like the perspective is such, like, a is such like an important thing right now? Like, with me, you know, if I was to write, you know, a story about somebody disabled, like, 
you know, it's expected that I do that research or if I was to write a, tra- a story about someone who's, you know, going through a transgender experience, well, I haven't gone through that experience, so you need to do the research or you need to co-write it with, like, a transgender person, etc. Um, to really get that accurate representation, that emotion, that perspective, and just really make that, you know, solid and, and real. It's perspective and the idea, I guess, that people, regardless of what story you're telling, um, in whatever medium you're telling it in, whether it's film, television, paint, fucking mime, doesn't matter, somebody's going to get offended because they walked in there hoping to be offended, they walked into that theater hoping to see something that would offend them, or bought the book hoping to read something that would offend them, so where you have nothing to fear is the author of a work that offends somebody is in the knowledge that you have done the research and that doesn't again that doesn't just extend to to reading it extends to what you said Miranda writing with somebody if you need to you know getting getting that firsthand experience on set in the case of our work is the most valuable tool you can have but also understand like I said that somebody's gonna get offended because somebody wants to get offended and that that alone the notion that somebody could be could be offended maybe that notion shouldn't be enough to drive you away from from telling the story what should be enough is just doing it blindly without considering the research and thought if you just do it because it's fun and you think it'll be interesting that stop right there hit the brakes okay well yeah i I agree. Um, just kind of respond to what you said and also start answering a question on my end. But I uh, I recently had my film... Jermel and I recently had our film screen at the Laundry Room Theater and I got a lot of comments like, good movie, good job, it was great, you know? You know the standard. Really liked the soundtrack or really liked the colors or we really liked the, that character or something like that, you know? You get those comments where they're very brief, but also just nice. You know, you're like, oh, thanks. Thanks for coming. You know, whatever. And then you get people that will be like, that will challenge you more. That kind of mention thoughts where they thought your film could improve or thoughts where they were confused or questions or whatever it might be. Um, and yeah, people are definitely coming in looking for uh, things that they find are flawed or things that they don't understand um whatever medium that may be so like with me um just to go back to your question Jermel, with me like going into the world uh not just on social media but like also physically like in my presence like socially with people um i don't know i always kind of want to like present an open person that is willing to grow and listen from all my things but like on social media um i definitely am like more like, I don't use Twitter, like, at all. Like, I used to in high school, but it's gotten to be such a weird place that I just don't touch it anymore. I just, like, don't... Like, I have a Twitter, but I don't use it. I, it kind of weirds me out. I use Instagram mostly, but it's just, like, photos. Sometimes I'll write a caption of, like, how I felt about the picture, but that's pretty much it. Facebook is kind of where, like, I, I will post, like, any sort of, like, political things or, like, anything I'm kind of feeling at the moment, but... It, 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 I never really, uh, I never really, like, write a super offensive thing. Like, I, I try not to, like, be too opinionated. I'll be like, wow, I really wonder about blah, blah, blah. Like, what do you guys think? And then, like, I'll just leave it. Because I don't want to, like, present an opinion where people are going to paint me as a specific type of person because they don't know me that well. Or I don't want to anger a friend because they have a different opinion than me. Um, there's, there's just no... I just don't have time for that, <laughs> honestly, quite frankly. And I, I'm happy to get into a conversation over coffee with somebody or at a, at a bar drinking a beer with somebody about, like, an issue and have, like, a personal conversation. But in terms of social media, like, I just don't really, like, want to do those debate things. It's just not me. So, like, to get to the root of the question, like, I'm fairly guarded on online with 
opinions and things like that, in my opinion. It's actually, it's something that is a bit difficult sometimes. A, because of the climate. B, social media. Um, you know, we, we it's the cliche thing to say now, but the whole, we have all these phones and all these social media, but our communication has gotten worse. It's a cliche thing to say. However, it is, it does come from a, um, it does root from like a certain truth. It is true because it's easy to just say what you want. And then as soon as somebody says something that is against what you said, you could literally just exit out. And then that's it. Like, it's like, or you could choose to go, nah, this opinion though. And then that's it. You know, like there's no like progress there. It's just you yelling and them yelling back, then you yelling and them yelling back. It's an echo chamber. So, yeah, it's an echo chamber. It's very, very, like, it's, it's it's such a... It's like, yes, but this, and yes, but this, no, but this. Yeah, so it's just an echo chamber, and then you have other people who are yelling the same thing with you, so now you can't really take the time to hear what the other people on the other side are all yelling about either, which is ironic. Yeah, but it's ironic because, like, you know, you're not actually hearing voice, you're hearing more about, like, it's more, it's just words on this, on a page. And it's cool, actually, because something that, like, two parts to this art, um, statement. One of them, um, Seth Rogen does this thing on Twitter now where <clears throat> he's pretty vocal, too. He's never said anything too crazy. It's more, but he does engage in conversation when somebody calls him out or somebody says, like, he'll picture, he'll put a picture of, like, him smoking a blunt uh, while canoeing out of in the middle of nowhere. And somebody will go like, you're not a good role model, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, instead of him just calling that person out and saying, shut the fuck up, dumbass. He'll, what he's been trying to do lately is trying to get them in like the DMs and having a, a conversation one-on-one. -on -one. Like, let's talk about that. Like, why, why? Like, you know, why do you have that opinion? This is my opinion, but I'd like to hear yours. Why do you have this? Why do you, why do you think that? So hey, I think we need more of that you know it's obviously in a difficult effort especially for someone as famous as seth rogan he has like millions of followers but it's nice that he's at least trying to have to avoid just echo chambers you know or saying like a snarky comment so people can just go ha he's right fuck you fuck off stupid person yeah i hate conversations that just go nowhere like they start and people are like really heated and then it just fizzles out and you're like, what the fuck happened? Like, do these people not care anymore? Did they just want that endorphin kick of like just saying a really like bitchy thing to some person and making them feel shitty and then just like piecing out? Like, it just doesn't make any sense and it just doesn't establish, it doesn't accomplish anything, you know? I think that's exactly what this situation was, was somebody just, like when I was discussing the idea of, um doing work and being concerned that somebody was going to get offended I, it was just it was just in the case of James Gunn it was just a dude um, you know looking for a fight and looking to to push someone's buttons and um, they succeeded they've, they've because three people in a town that nobody gives a shit about who don't live there are currently recording an episode of, of their podcast about it. That person succeeded at, at their goal. Yeah, was to um, get a reaction out of people. Coincidentally, well, what James Gunn's uh, humorous tweets were trying to do too. So it's it's it was almost like fighting fire with fire, really. Yeah. And I guess the other part of my argument, uh, dialing it back to how does this in my opinion, affect or relate to us being Winnipeg filmmakers. Um, well, there's this sort of angle or side to film that's kind of like Twitter in that you send it out to the void and then that's it. You know, you could, you know people see it and you know people looked at it. However, they can then form opinions on that film and by extension you just by seeing that one piece of thing like just how if i were to tweet right now like um i don't know i like big dicks that's all i say i don't give any context i just tweet i just say those words 
Some people will go, haha, funny, it's stupid. Some people will go, is he is he confessing that he's gay? Or some people will go, that is offensive. I don't understand why he's making this tweet. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't provide any um, actual <laughs> conversation. Therefore, I don't think, like I, I don't, I think Jermel's stupid, and he should just get the hell off Twitter. You have. That's my opinion. The third one. See, there you go. <laughs> there you go. So. I'd be like, I'd be like, why is my boyfriend making tweets about big dick? <laughs> <laughs> see like that's the thing is oh, the man. point is from that one tweet that has no context and your sole context is the fact that Jermel tweeted these words you now have all these opinions on it you're not there to watch the movie with them you know like if you're to post you'd link to your movie you're not there with them to like explain the film or explain your tent like they're watching it exactly. in the comfort of their own home with their own opinions like with the lights off maybe you know and and they're completely focused in they don't know you at all exactly and it's like anything could happen right and there's a degree to it where they just see this one thing and immediately they start they could start make um interpreting it or uh seeing it in a different way that is completely off what the intention was and yeah one moment one moment change it all yeah exactly it's the intent versus interpretation which one's more valid is either one of them valid um, and it doesn't, and we're now with, at a time when everybody, um, yells out their interpretation of something and wants it to be valid. For me, it's a little bit like you, Miranda, just for example, you burn my house down and then get mad at me for, for calling the fire department. That's not how this works. People can't cry for, um, you know, can't cry for for an open transparent communication form and then when something goes goes mad or they they see something in the case of James Gunn's tweets that they don't like they can't just cry foul and and you know shout and scream and want want it all shut down and want that person shut down that's not how it works you get you get what you get when you um step into the breach and the black hole of weird that is twitter it's like uh it's like really early on when you're a kid and you have a clubhouse and you have your neighbor and you have a clubhouse and you're like this is our clubhouse and then your clubhouse becomes bigger and you're like we should invite more kids to our clubhouse and then when more kids come in they start bringing in their own ideals and you're kind of like yeah i don't know about these kids in our clubhouse and you're like well fuck they're here already so what do we do and then you start to like convince them that you're shitty people so that they want to leave and it's like uh I don't know if that's a good thing. That's a good story to relate to this, but it's like, it's like that sort of thing where you're like, I want more inclusivity on the internet. I want more opinions being shared. And then as soon as the opinions get shared, you're like, no, no, they're attacking me. There's too many opinions. Exactly. The minute they're different, <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I was trying to say about the clubhouse. But like that totally happened to me like a whole bunch of times. So I thought it was re like related. I don't want them here. <laughs> Where like there were more kids coming into our clubhouse and I was like, get them out. These kids are toxic. Welcome to Around the Craft Table where we learn about Miranda's clubhouse. Or like this one time I had a lemonade stand and I was like, this is my lemonade stand. And then one of the kids came over and she was like, hey, if I help you sell your lemonade, will you can I have a cut? And I was like, bitch, nah. <laughs> So, like, I guess, so now I'm going to talk more, like, on a personal level um, <clears throat> in terms of actual thoughts. So, I think, A, to sum it up, yeah, no, I, I don't think, there. I, I said this in the audio essay, the anger that's happening against people who do fucked up shit, like, you know, sexually abuse younger people, abusing your power against uh, up-and-comers in the industry rape and murder and also necrophilia don't do that yeah like there there's there's right to be angry about those things because those are real problems that exist and are really prominent apparently in the in the movie film art industry really i mean it's 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 prominent here in winnipeg there's always stories about photographers uh taking advantage of their female models like i, I hear about it all the time here in, in this city alone so it is a problem However, Creepy. I just I just don't think that this specific anger was directed at the right person. They they have a right to be angry because there, it is an issue that's going on. I just don't think that anger 
should include James Gunn. That's my take on that entire thing. Um, second, on a personal level regarding like how it affects the Winnipeg scene and filmmaking and stuff like that, um, I am a bit more wary about it because last thing you want as an up-and-comer is to shoot yourself in the foot already. Because there's people like, like somebody like Dave Bautista or James Gunn, Dave Bautista can be super vocal about it, right? Because he's he's in Blade Runner, he's in the, some other movie coming out, he's in, he's part of the Marvel Universe, so, and he's a, he's a, um, he's a pretty big wrestler, right? Well, was, um, so he's established. He has quite a bit of things to back him up already, so if he's a bit more vocal about, uh, he's a bit more vocal against the powers that be, he's in a good position. If they boot him out, okay, fuck it, some other people will get me. Same with James Gunn. He got booted out by Disney, arguably some company that almost has monopoly over Hollywood. Um, you know, other, other studios, other people are like, oh, he's free now? Okay, let's get him. The fuck the f- I don't care what Disney thinks. Well, come to us. We'll, yeah. we'll pay you. We don't care about your tweets. Like so, let's let's not even get into like Walt Disney and his history as a person. Cause like fuck, like talk about double standards. Oh, no. So, it, and you know it's it's fine. Those those people are fine, cause they have things to back them up if they fall off their current um, position. But if you're somebody like us who is a bit more. You know, people, the the amount of people that know me doesn't extend past the city. That's pretty much, you know, that's all the people that know me. Even then, it's not a lot, right? I'm not somebody who has actual film work. I just do my own things and I help out my other film friends. That's how, how much I got. So if, you know, I, I don't have the luxury of things to fall back on. If somebody were to... Uh, call me out the same way that like somebody like James Gunn was called out albeit to a lesser degree I that would pretty much be it because nobody else has context about me they will only have what little I have to base it on so it, it is sort of a um, something to be slightly worried about yes because if somebody suddenly had if somebody had beef with me they don't like me and then somebody went and said fuck Jamel somebody went ahead and said you know somebody in the future that I work with whatever I didn't really like their performance let's say they're mad at me because I didn't like their performance that person that goes on to say you know you know those photographers in Winnipeg that like abuse their models yeah Jamel's one of them if that's kind of sort of thing suddenly spread about me chances are I don't have a chance I don't have enough backing or context to disprove that statement right so it is something to be worried about at our level because it could it could completely just prevent you from even reaching the ceiling see and i i kind of going back to to just address my thoughts on your thoughts jamil for me it goes back to the idea that like if you have anything to worry about you should be worried if you don't then you have, you know, in my, like, James Gunn, those tweets are there. So, yeah, he should have maybe been concerned about them, and I don't blame him for deleting them, because there was obviously more. See, that's something that he had to worry about, but he dealt with it, he deleted them, and so now, hopefully, he has nothing else to worry about, and the quality of his work, because there, there are plenty of people... Again, Roman Polanski is the probably the most obvious one of them, whom the quality of their character is absolute garbage, but they still get hired because their work is so good. And I and that's the other thing for me is I can separate the quality of someone's work from from their person. Like you look at, we keep talking about Dave Batista as being a, prof- a former professional wrestler. I'm a huge fan, and I think you are too, Jermel. So then we both know that there are a ton of guys who are absolute trash bags as human beings, but their work is so 
phenomenal in the ring at the art that they they do that they put together that I I can sort of and I do this across all mediums I am willing to make an effort to separate between um, work or art and artist if you will I'm, I'm willing to draw a line particularly as it relates to James Gunn because those tweets are gross but people have done and said much worse things and not gotten fired for it. I'm, I'm kind of the kind of person that disagrees with that, Miles. Like, if someone's a shitty person, I just don't want to support them. And I don't want to, like, hire them for anything. Even if their work's fucking awesome. I'm just like, you know what I mean? Like, um, I know that's not exactly what you were saying, but just to present the other opinion, like, I, like, I, if, if an, you know, if there's a painter that's, like, a known rapist or something, you know, or like, I don't know, some. Okay, I'm, I'm talking, I'm not, obviously rapes where I would draw the line, clearly, but I'm talking about if you're just like an asshole or a prick, so long as you've n never done anything that rises to the level of you should probably s be sitting in court on trial for your, for your crimes, like James Gunn did, for example, then fuck it. I don't care. You're good at what you do. Work. But if you've murdered somebody, if you've molested somebody, if you've raped somebody, or whatever else extreme crime you want to use, you should pay for your crimes. But in the case of, like, a tweet or incorrectly answering a question in an interview or, or any of the, the things that people are hung out to drive for these days. Or, like, even... Even, like, supporting Trump in a really passive way. Like, no one deserves to be ostracized no, you voted for, for you being voted a human for. being that supports somebody that you don't necessarily agree exactly. with. Exactly. It doesn't mean that they're an unhuman or something. Like, they're fine. No, exactly. It's just, we gotta find a way to all live together in the same world. Like, we're talking a lot about how um, we don't agree with what happened to James Gunn. But I just want to really quickly say before we wrap up for today that if you're one of the people that is really offended by what he's done and really feels like what he did is wrong and that is inexcusable um you know we're, we're also really open to hearing what you have to say and like learning from you as well and there's plenty of places online where there's people that will validate how you feel and um are willing to talk about it more in depth as well um and we don't, like, condone necessarily the message of the tweets at all. We just feel like this is just a really extreme situation and it needs to be um, looked at more closely before decisions like this that are so rash be made. Um, yeah. How does everybody feel about the discussion? Is there anything else we have to mention? Or can we kind of, like, leave it at that? Maybe revisit this at a later time if there's more deets released? Yeah. Yeah. Uh... If anything, that uh, definitely, again, we talked about it in this episode, you know, conversations get something that we need more of instead of just yelling out into the void angrily. Be a progressive member of our podcast listening squad. Comment below. Start the conversations. We want to hear from you. You can find me, Miranda Morose, on social media. Not really Twitter because I don't use that, haha. Um, <laughs> but social media and Vimeo at Miranda Morose. Morose is M-O-R-O-Z. Miles, where can they find you? You can find me on social media at, on Twitter at Dr. Finkelstein, named after the Tim Burton character, um, or the Nightmare Before Christmas character, rather. Uh, you can find me on YouTube at Angry Chair Pictures, at Collective Film Productions, um, Vimeo Collective Film Productions and that's it. You can find me at Vimeo.com slash Jermel Pasqua. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jermel underscore P. Yeah, and you can find us at ATCT Show on social media. Um, we're on uh, iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, and other third-party podcast apps um, at Around the Craft Table. You can also message us um, through email at uh, crafttablepodcast at gmail.com um, if you don't feel you know comfortable commenting in the email thread about some of the topics we discussed today or any topics you'd like to hear us talk about on the podcast you can always message us there it'll be in confidence 
um, and we'll only kind of read from your thoughts if you if you would like us to. All right, so um, we're going to sign off for the day, and thanks so much for joining us, and uh, we'll be back next week with some more um, some more uh, film film talks. All right, bye guys. Bye. See you later. Hey, it's Jamel from the Around the Craft Table team, and you just heard Season 2, Episode 7. This week's episode was produced by Miles A. Taylor and Miranda Morose, as well as edited by myself, Jamel Pasqua. We hope you enjoyed the episode this week, and hope you stick around for next week, where we talk about different kinds of film schools around the world. We have special guests, um, Will Garud and Joshua Hood. We're pretty excited for you all to hear these conversations and hope to spark some new conversations about filmmaking within your own circle of friends, collaborators, or just in the comment section. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, as well as on social media at ATCT Show. And you can send us an email at crafttablepodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to email us any important questions or requests. We'd love to hear from you. Bye-bye.